hell is coming to Frogtown, and a lot of sexy women are coming with him. Notice I hit the cum part really hard. <laughs> God, why? <laughs> That's right. This week, for the very first time ever, I watched Hell Comes to Frogtown. Woo. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Claire Tinted Classics, the show where I, your host, Jake Ryan Baker, watch classic movies for the very first time and give my nostalgia-free opinions on them. <laughs> and this week, we got an interesting one. You might be wondering if you clicked on this episode, what the fuck is Hell Comes to Frogtown? Why is Jake covering it? What is going on? <laughs> is this the end of the show? <laughs> Well, don't worry, it's not the end of the show. We're not fully jumping the shark just yet. Um, a podcast I've talked about plenty of times on the show, uh, Action Boys with a Z. They uh they covered this movie and I was uh, I was just googling it to sometimes I watch clips or whatever on YouTube just to get sort of a flavor for the movie before I watch. And uh it was it was just on YouTube for free. I I was like, oh, um, I and I just I, I started watching it, and then I just was like, well, this is only like ninety minutes. It's kind of fascinating. I guess I'll just watch it, and I don't know. <laughs> I guess I decided I would talk about it on the podcast because it's a pretty quick and easy movie to cover. Uh, cards on the table, okay. I I. Some I, I waver back and forth between being too behind the scenes about this stuff, but here's the deal. Uh, it is 1.41 a.m. Uh, technically is Wednesday. Uh, this episode needs to be out in a little over three hours. I debated on what to do. I just, uh, two two weeks ago, I already put out like a, oh, who's what I'm watching? <laughs> That's the episode. I could cop out again. Uh, I'm still debating on it. Literally, as I said that, there was a part of me that was like, just cop out, please. Don't do a whole ass episode. But I just, I was busy. I was house sitting. It, it was the holiday weekend. I didn't have time to get in the studio. I wanted, I would have gone to the library and recorded Monday night and would have had more. Long story short, I'm trying to do a proper episode, but it's still kind of a cop out episode. So if you, yeah, well, there's that, okay. But, so if you don't know what Hell Comes to Frogtown is, it's very, like in the 70s and 80s especially, there was a period of time where people were just making really schlocky, ex like for lack of a better word, they were sort of exploitation flicks. Like this one definitely fits in that genre because it is rife with just random sexy women and some of them go topless, and some of them are in lingerie. It's just, it's full of nonsense. I I remember them talking about the director. The director directed a bunch of schlock, but apparently the behind-the-scenes stuff, he ended up stepping away because it wasn't working out. So I was trying to see if They Live, which I have not seen, actually. Kind of, I suppose, important to mention if I'm going to be talking about Rowdy, Rowdy Piper. Uh, this movie and They Live came out in the same year. I don't know which one he shot first. If I had to guess, probably They Live was first because it was a real movie and it probably took a little time to edit and put together, whereas I imagine they probably shot this and had it done in like a month after it was done. I don't mean to disparage it. This movie is 
weird. It's a it's it's like a fun it's 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 going to be hard to talk about because I don't want to I don't want to just hand wave away some of the bad sexual politics that are in the movie. But so I, I don't I hate to toss around words like charming or whatever, but it, it is like a quaint little movie. They clearly made it for almost no money and they threw Roddy Piper in it because they thought, hey, we'll put a wrestler in it and people will watch it. Put a wrestler and some some hot women and it, that's a movie some frog costumes and we're good to go. Right. And so that's what they did. I had never really heard, heard about the movie before they covered it on the show. I just happened to watch it and now I'm talking about it. But, you know, if you're interested in it at all, it seems to just fully be free on YouTube. Someone uploaded a rip of it. It's actually a high quality rip, surprisingly. You can just watch it if you want. Uh, you'll probably know within the first 15 minutes if it's worth it for you. I will say it takes them a while, but they do eventually get to Frogtown, the titular Frogtown. And the frog costumes are pretty good, actually. It's, it's kind of worth at least seeing that part. But yeah, I don't really know what else to say other than, like, you probably haven't heard of it. I'm about to talk about it. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, the movie opens with this big exposition dump about it. It's like they're living in a post apocalypse. There was like a war. Some unspecified war, nuclear everything, everything's blowed up, everything sucks. I don't know if it's in the opening or later, but you find out like a really big chunk of the male population was wiped out from the war, even more from all the bombs. And even more than that, it seems to have rendered pretty much most of the species impotent, mostly the men, but also it's like kind of a thing for women to be fertile as well. Uh, kind of an uncommon thing, rather. And so it's it's laying the groundwork. You get this really brief scene of this... It, you, it's, I actually think the pacing of the scene is really interesting. And this is just like a guy, he seems to be in just sort of this post-apocalypse get-up where his face is covered, he's got goggles on. He gets accosted by this dude who takes this like Statue of Liberty model that he's holding out of his hands, and he's yelling at him, knocks him down, calls him... Uh, squid lips or something like that uh at this point i mean i think you can kind of assume it's a frog but they haven't really revealed it but he must know it's a frog because the frog guy pulls a gun and the guy's like frogs aren't allowed to have guns and the frog shoots him gets up we get like this close up on his face and then you just hear ribbit and then you get the uh hell comes to frog town it's like it's actually a pretty funny well-paced little little vignette to sort of set the tone of the movie but from there get this weird black room and here's here's rowdy roddy piper he's been arrested presumably in this really gruff older cop who we come to find out his name is devlin spoilers he ends up being kind of important to the movie i guess somewhat uh but he's beating rowdy roddy piper up and he basically is like breaks a beer bottle which for some reason they have a beer bottle in the interrogation room or whatever and he's like gonna cut his junk off and it's he's talking about how Rowdy Roddy Piper's character, who is Sam Hell, he's the titular Hell. I think his name's like Hellman, goes by Sam Hell. He, it's implied that he like sexually assaulted some woman, and she maybe is connected to this guy, maybe isn't. And so I was like, okay, right off the bat, the guy who's our hero, he's like he like sexually assaulted someone, and that's who we're supposed to root for. These two doctors burst in. I, I forget the name of the 
the one lady because she's just in it for the beginning and she disappears and i just she's got like a the, her and and uh the other gal they both have weird like really american names uh Patton. so there's Patton played by uh i, I don't know if that's edie or Ede bird and then you have spangle who's played by sandal bergman who ends up becoming pretty much she's like the the co-lead uh character of the movie and you can kind of tell like the way the way she the way they like focus on her that she's going to be important but it's funny is Patton's probably one of the better actors in the movie and thankfully they give her a lot of business up top to lay more groundwork which is helpful but they burst in and they're like the girl that he assaulted is pregnant and she's decided she's not going to press charges anymore and so they don't ever so here's one of the first big problems with the movie there's never a moment where it's like Roddy Roddy Piper's like yeah actually that girl she wanted me and uh they they the they found me with her and the dad got mad and they just assumed but they they never try to smooth over this sexual assault allegation they just basically go well he knocked her up so it's all good i guess and that kind of really bugs me for the sake of the movie i'm just gonna assume it's kind of bad movie making that they didn't take the time to smooth that over and tell you no he didn't assault anybody uh we don't want you the hero of the movie to be a rapist uh they don't really absolve you of that worry but uh i just am, i'm gonna assume based on his actions for the rest of the movie considering he seems like not a bad guy at least he definitely doesn't seem like someone that's running around assaulting people at the very least and I even, when they were doing that podcast episode on it, they talked about how Roddy Piper was like one of the only people they auditioned who didn't, he was just, there's something about him that's like innocent enough that he's, even though he's doing all these skeevy things in this movie, and if you've never watched the movie before or even heard of it, the plot of the movie basically you find out is that Roddy Piper has super sperm and he can get people pregnant, and so they're going to send him to rescue a bunch of women and get them pregnant why they don't just keep him at the base and bring the girls to him to get pregnant and why they're putting him in harm's way when he's one of the only people that can get people pregnant. They never, they a couple times try to be like, ah, well, he's got to be out in the field just doing it. it. It doesn't make any sense. There's gigantic, there's plot holes. You can drive the pink car that they drive around in the movie through. It's a, it's a weird, cheap exploitation movie. Uh, they probably did one pass on the script and called it good. You just kind of have to roll with it. That's sort of the nature of the beast with these things. It's why I'm going to just kind of uh, put my fingers in my ears and whistle and pretend that they definitely didn't mean for him to be someone who actually sexually assaulted people, because uh, otherwise it's pretty hard character to root for. Um, sorry, <laughs> I'm laying so much business at the top of this, but I just remember I just remember thinking throughout the whole movie, it just nagged me the entire movie. I just kept waiting and waiting for the scene where he's like, hanging out with Spangle and they have like a down moment and he just goes, you know, that girl, I thought she was really into me and I was lonely and I, I just, I don't know why she, maybe, I don't know why she turned around and did that. I, we, I thought we had a good night together. I don't know. Never happens. Uh, maybe that was a scene they deleted because whatever psycho was in charge of putting this out, didn't think it was important, but yeah. So I'll just leave it at Roddy Piper's character. Sam seems he seems pretty innocent and also very reluctant to 
sleep with pretty much every girl they want him to sleep with. So I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the movie wanted you to feel conflicted, <laughs> but Spangle and Patton, they bring him back. Uh, they work for this like weird, it's like a doctor agency, but it's also a government agency. And so they run tests on him. He's got the highest spermazoa count ever, and he's got the super sperm, and they're going to send him into uh, cross enemy lines to go get women pregnant because they need more people for the war because the war is still going on. We never really find much out about the war. Ironically, the war is not with the frog people. The frog people are not who they were fighting. So the frog people you find out later in the movie are just because of all the nuclear war they were created, were they created from frogs or were they humanoids who were turned into frogs and they don't explain it. They just say that frog people got made and then they made the frog people go live in a shitty run downtown and told them to leave everybody alone and they're not allowed to have guns. So there's also a funny angle to this movie where you can like really be like, Yo, what the humans did to the frogs was like super fucked up though, and they do that that kind of horror. I was playing D and D tonight, and we were killing a bunch of goblins, and I just I'm always a not a big fan of oh this entire race is like this. I don't like stereotyping, and unfortunately, especially in some fantasy settings, just to kind of keep the wheels moving, you roll you roll with some of the stereotypes, but I just so. I just always feel bad, like killing goblins. Like it's not like, I mean, goblin is a race you can play, you know. So it's not like all goblins are evil. I, I always feel bad attacking first, and with the frog people, it's like, well, clearly all the frog people aren't bad, but then enough of the ones they encounter are their enemies, and they attack or do something bad first. So it's just kind of like, ah, it's okay that they're beating up the frog people. Uh, but I don't know. It's it's weird. I don't mean to get super philosophical on the Hell Comes to Frogtown episode, but yeah, so they strap this really, what becomes a major plot device, they put this giant metal uh, chastity belt essentially on Rowdy Roddy Piper, Sam, and it's like, his his junk is now government property, and they make a joke about it. he's like, what if I what if I have to use the bathroom? And they're like, it's got a flap. The flap joke comes back <laughs> a few times. But and so they're like, suit up. You're going with Spangle and you're going to go rescue these women that were kidnapped when this caravan got assaulted. And for some reason, again, for some reason, we're sending you, even though you have the magic penis uh, that we should probably keep safe at all costs or we should figure out how to extract sperm from you or whatever. Apparently in this world, they just fully have to, they can't <laughs> inject people. He just like has to fuck them, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Again, there's a lot, of, lot of, a lot of logic leaps that they are doing just to get the actual plot of the movie rolling, with it, which is just, they want to get Sam Hell with Spangle to go rescue people. And that's what they want to happen. Could they have done it in a smoother way? Sure. Like, did they have to wrap in this part where he's also a sexual dynamo and has the super sperm? Not really. He could have just been a convict who they were like, it could have just been a escape from New York type story where it's just like, well, you need to go in and your choices are either rot away in this prison where this guy will cut your balls off or you can go save these women. Him being virile honestly doesn't play that much into it other than some weird, oddly interesting character moments, but I, I don't know. <laughs> but 
we see like a report on them being kidnapped. They get in this like really fun pink car. At this point, we are introduced to uh, one of our other. She's not like the lead or anything, but uh, we have a. I think her name is Cece or Cease. Uh, Vitrell is the actor. She plays a character named Sentinella. Uh, for my money, not to get all objectifying or anything. She, uh, she's definitely my my crush from the movie for sure. I was very into her the second she showed up. She's got this sort of slick back hair, butch thing going, but she's absolutely smoking hot. Just very just gorgeous model looks. Uh, you look up her. I was looking at her career a little bit. She hadn't really done much else. There was like a cop movie they tried to put her as the lead in but it didn't do very well that they maybe were angling for it to be a series maybe i'll watch it and do it for the show i think it's called uh silk or something i think it's got like a really sexual edge to it too though unfortunately like in this movie uh sentinel takes her top off and i get the feeling that she probably does that in a lot of her movies i mean i don't know so this is the era where you know uh, this is like right before or right in the heyday of erotic thrillers or where like sex in movies was sort of getting as like overcharged as it possibly could be. Uh, this is that same era where I, I was watching like Pam Greer movies a year or two ago and she's in like multiple movies. Like this is like a full genre, right? Of here's a movie where it's like it just takes place at a women's prison, but it's like kind of a kinky women's prison. So. They're all scantily clad running around and there's like psychosexual torture stuff going on. And it's really just a very flimsy excuse to see a bunch of hot women in their underwear running around for 90 minutes. Uh, this is sort of, uh, it's something that you don't really see much anymore because of the internet and the widespread access to actual pornography now. But, you know, there was an era where this sort of like, like putting like putting boobs in a movie there would always be some producer that's like hey you want to sell the movie you, you gotta get some girl to take her top off because that'll get audiences and seats to sex sells and stuff and this was one of the ways the few ways that people could see that stuff and so there you have this whole wave especially in the exploitation genre of movies that are just so sexually charged and I don't know. It's strange to to look back on that time, and I I think I started this thought off with I feel conflicted, sort of being like, well, it was exciting to watch this movie, and when uh, Sentinella takes her top off, I was like, oh, that's pretty hot, and even like when she, her and uh, Roddy Piper are like kissing and like she's like kind of feeling him up and stuff, it is like kind of sexy and it's kind of fun to watch. But I there's a part of me that like, I at least I feel like a creepy perv for enjoying it or being kind of into it and i always worry about what it was like on set especially for the women in those kinds of movies especially like you know old canon movies like death wish and stuff when there's like full-on sexual assault happening on screen and stuff like that you never know if the actors are being treated well and careful like you know there's not you know back in the 80s in a micro budget movie there's probably not uh you know, there, there's literally like a role for movies where there's someone on set to like make sure all the sexual stuff is like okay and everyone's consenting and feeling comfortable and stuff like that. Like that shit wasn't happening back in the day. And so there's this tinge of like, am I awful for being titillated by this? I don't know. 
I, I really didn't want to bog this movie down with this kind of talk, but it's unavoidable for a movie like this. Surprisingly, this movie isn't crazy over the top with it. I believe that Sentinelle is the only person who fully takes her top off, and she seems pretty confident in her body, as she should be. And so I, I felt okay by the end of it. Like uh, Spangle, played by Sandal Bergman, I think I said already, uh, she, she clearly had some sort of thing in her contract where she wasn't going to fully be naked for this movie, but they try to skirt around it a lot. There's multiple scenes where she's in weird lingerie, and then she spends almost the entire back half of the movie dressed up in this weird pseudo BDSM slave outfit because they're going to infiltrate Frogtown by pretending she's like a sex slave that he's going to sell. I don't know. It's all weird, and there's there's a weirdness to it, and I feel weird talking about it i feel weird being like ah but you know that outfit is kind of hot and like her big weird glasses that are supposed to make her look like a nerd she looks like you know hot in them because they're oversized like borderline if you were watching like a porn it's like this porn star is supposed to be a librarian in this scene here's those are the glasses you would give them if they're like playing a nerd they're like clearly meant to like this and I was laughing because on the podcast they were talking about how stressed they were when uh, Sam takes her glasses and throws them away right before they infiltrate the town and they were like stressed out about it. And I was like, me too. If I ever lost my glasses, I'd be so fucked. It, I feel like I wake up every morning and go, oh God, I, put, I hope I put my glasses somewhere that's not awful. And so, but you know, as far as the movie goes, it's like, oh, she took her glasses off and her hair is down. Now she's really sexy. I mean, she looks great the whole movie so i don't know uh but haven't gotten very far <laughs> i got sidetracked by sentinella sentinella gets introduced and she rules She's probably my favorite character in the movie even though she doesn't get a ton of screen time but they're driving in the car we get some back and forth we get like a m- tiny bit of character development with sam hell where uh he's joking around and spangle's like don't you take anything seriously and he's like i used to take everything seriously and then they blew it all up. And so you're like, oh, he's scarred from the war or whatever. <laughs> but uh, they get to this checkpoint and Devlin is there, the guy that was torturing him at the beginning. And they have a really tense standoff and he's very much like, I hate this guy. I will kill him someday. And you're like, gosh, I wonder if we'll ever see Devlin again. Spoilers. <laughs> we will. In fact, I immediately guessed which character he was. But. Uh, they get through. He lets them through. They're driving some more. They stop to fuel up. Sentinel's got like this gas can. She looks so fucking cool. Doesn't matter what she's doing. If she's like cleaning a gun or fueling the car, she does. It looks awesome. Uh, and this car, I didn't, don't know if I described it. It's this weird. It's not quite like a like a Volkswagen Bug, but it's like a more square version of it. And it's like this pale pink car. Uh, but it's got this giant like. M60 turret sitting on top of it. Uh, so yeah, that's what they're rolling around in. Sam's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. And they're both like, yeah, sure, whatever. He gets going. He looks behind him. He's like, see you later, sisters. He's, he makes a run for it. But then his uh, his like pseudo chastity belt, it starts beeping. And as soon as it starts beeping, it shocks him. I'd say one thing that Roddy Piper's really good at in this movie, his at- haven't really talked about his acting. He's fine. So, all right, let's let's lay it out for old Roddy. All right, so he 
He looks crazy. He's got this giant face, pockmarked. He is like, I don't know. You know, you never know what people are into, but I'd say conventionally, not our normal handsome leading man. Body-wise, he's definitely not like an Arnold type or anything like that. So what does he got going for him? He has, he does have this weird charm to him. He seems, he, there's, there's a charisma about him. His acting is not good. He's, he's definitely not, there's no, he doesn't have any range whatsoever, but he's pretty decent at doing his little quips and he is very watchable. And I, does it make, I mean, he's, he's virile and that's mostly why people seem interested in him. And that doesn't really have much to do with anything other than the, just the fact that he's virile. So that's fine. I guess it's fine that all the women are just throwing themselves at him. Uh, but yeah, he's just, I don't know, his acting is is okay. I haven't seen They Live. I think people think he's pretty good in that. You know, a lot of actors, they're very dependent on who their director is. And as far as I can tell, the guy that directed this movie is not someone who's known for pulling amazing performances out of people. I'll have to see how he is and they live. He does an okay job of, of your, you're like, he is watchable. I mean, it could be so much worse, honestly, it, but it, but it could also be so much better. But for an exploitation movie, the curiosity of this wrestler being the lead is, it is weirdly part of the draw. Like I know that was part of it back in the day, but now it's like, ah, this weird movie that Roddy Piper was the lead in. I guess that's, kind of interested in what that's about whereas if it was just you know i I mentioned escape from new york earlier if this was kurt russell i don't know i don't know what that means like would i watch it because it's a kurt russell movie or would it just be a lot better if it was a kurt russell movie and more it'd be more well known would it be as much of an underground movie i have no idea uh but roddy piper's fine uh he, he does a decent job uh but i mean they're not asking him to give a big amount of range but what's weird about this movie is i mentioned there's like that moment where he is like ah the war took everything from me and there's a couple moments sprinkled here and there where they actually took a couple seconds to give the characters like some stuff going on and it's almost worse than if they just hadn't at all because you're like oh there's like bits and pieces of a genuinely pretty decent movie in here but they don't fully take the time to develop it. And so it's kind of, it's like, I don't know. It just depends on how you feel. Like it gives me enough to grasp onto that. I can connect the dots and like maybe care about the characters in their journey a little bit more. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really weird. It's almost unexpected when it happens. And it always happens like almost out of nowhere. I, I feel like, I don't know how many people wrote this movie, but I feel like whoever wrote the movie, they had like some ideas and they were, they were trying, <laughs> which is, you know, more than you can say for some of these exploitation movies, like a lot of these movies were just churned out because they're like, I don't know, put some women in it and a wrestler and it'll make money. We'll give you $5 for the frog costumes and then that's all you get. <laughs> but I, I don't know. There, there's a little bit of heart to it. It's it, again, in a movie that's like rife with weird, bad sexual politics, it's, it's strange that there are little hints of like, they do care about the characters or even there's like little tiny bits of like, cause like Sentinella is a badass and she just is cool and badass. And Spangle is clearly like a super intelligent doctor and also can handle herself in a fight. And then at the very end, when Devlin's given his 
women rule the world and I hate it. Uh, there's this like the tiniest glimmer of like, oh, there's like a weird feminist bent to this movie. Maybe not really though. Cause of all that other stuff, but huh? I don't know how to feel about it. It's, it's weirdly complex. Uh, but anyway, Sam tries to run. Uh, I got into Roddy Piper because I'm remembering the tangent. I just went on. He goes down. He gets shocked in his junk. He goes down. And one thing he can definitely do is sell being in pain because he was a wrestler. And that's what he did every night. So when he gets like electrocuted in the balls in this movie and it happens a few times, it looks like he's in pain and he's doing a good job selling that. So kudos. But Spangle shows up and she's like, my earrings control your crotch and I can electrocute you and track you. And so you're not getting away. <laughs> Sam's like, fuck. And so they they make camp for the night. For some reason, Spangle comes out in like this camouflage lingerie and she does this weird seduction on Sam. And it was really cracking me up because he was just like acting like he so wasn't interested. And I was enjoying that. And then finally, he just kind of gives in and goes, all right, fine, I guess I will sleep with you. But as soon as he starts kissing her, she she activates her electric things and shocks him on the balls. And he's like, no, what the fuck? you? Uh, what the hell? And get off of me. And she's like, uh, they told me to. I, I, not to sleep with you, but to stimulate you because you need to stay virile. And he's just as like, he's pissed. And she goes in her tent for the night. And Sentinel is, has just been watching this whole thing, like cleaning her gun and smirking. So he, they go to sleep. But then in the middle of the night, Sentinella wakes him up and she's, and she gets a little fun character moment where she's like, Hey, I'm not supposed to do this and I'm not fertile, but I am fucking lonely and you're a guy and you're supposed to be good at sex. That's the rumor for some reason. I guess we're going to ignore the fact that you've also been accused of sexual assault. But uh, So she she just like fully strips and gets on him and they have like a kind of a sexy scene. She's like kissing him and feeling him up and she's like, oh, how am I supposed to? He's like, there's a flap. And then probably the best flap joke in the movie is like, oh, no, actually, this that comes later. But she re- she clearly reaches in and starts like, I guess, like tugging him off like full on. But uh Spangle shows up and freaks them both out. Um, and another thing that's weird about this movie is you would think all the dialogue would be so wooden and obvious, but there, there's, I have a handful of them marked down and I'll mention them when we get there, but there's fun little, like there's there it's, it's quippy and not in an annoying way. So Spangle stumbles across them and she goes, Sergeant, you're out of uniform to the naked Sentinel. <laughs> it's like, that's like just a funny thing of all the things she could have responded with in that situation. Saying that is pretty funny, actually. Uh, I don't know, but she interrupts the sexy times. They argue some more in the car. Sam's mad about being, they're driving deeper into frog territory and Sam's mad about it. He throws the contract out the window. Spangle gets mad at him and like kicks him out of the car and forces him to like run after them, which is like kind of insane. I remember thinking, oh, because I think she says if he gets too far away, he'll blow up. But I guess I don't know if they drive slow or if it just has a decent distance. But he manages to on foot keep up with the car and doesn't get blown up. He comes to the campsite and they they seem just amused. He's pissed. Uh, but his, there's a beeping sound again. He thinks it's his junk. Oh no, it's someone they someone tripped like a proximity. It doesn't matter. They find uh this girl who escaped from Frogtown, uh, they capture her and like hog tired. She's like, 
she doesn't seem to be able to talk because she's so traumatized and she's like all dirty and tied up and it's fucked up and uh, all Spangle does is just she like injects a shot in her butt and she's like well Sam she's fertile so you need to fuck her and you get this really long awkward scene of like Sam being like what I don't what I'm not gonna sleep with her in front of you guys and we're in the middle of fucking nowhere that's weird uh, not a lot of talk about how she's super unwilling, unfortunately, or whether maybe not even necessarily unwilling, but just seems unable to give her consent. And also, it seems like maybe they roofied her now at this point. Troubling. Uh, I'd say probably this part, if you think about it long enough or you break it down enough, probably the most troubling part of the movie that happens on screen, I'd say. In terms of this woman, I think, has been drugged to want to fuck and uh, didn't really get much of a say in the matter. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't like tossing around the R word too much because when I even when I hear that word, it makes me jump a little bit. So I'm trying to not say it, but you get what I'm saying. It seems like that's kind of what happens. And in between all that, Spangles like, well, if you're not going to do her, then I'll get you worked up and then you'll do her and she does this weird strip tease uh the emotions are weird and all over the place i think this is where we get the funniest flap joke though where she does enough of a sexy dance that you just hear the of it like popping open like he's like got a boner or something but then he gets like weirdly sad and he just like tells her to put her shirt on but then to take her glasses off i don't know the podcast i was listening to was really fixated on that little detail I when I watched it, I took it as like I, he didn't want her to like see him sleep with this girl, I guess, because maybe they're already starting to catch feelings for each other in a weird way. But he basically just relents and goes, "I guess I'll sleep with this woman," and so he does. But then it just cuts to the next morning, and she's like all clean and super happy. Uh, they, they like try to smooth it over, but being like, "Oh, he gave her a bath, and he's really nice to her, and she's really happy, and she was actually into it the whole time for." Or I don't know. It's weird. It's not good. Uh, even more strange, possibly, is Spangles like, just run roughly in that direction and someone will probably pick you up. I know the entire reason we're doing this is to bring Sam into this territory and, and sleep with people like you in the field, uh, but we're not going to actually protect our investment. We're just going to hope that Border Patrol finds you. Here's a bracelet. You're a mom now. Everyone will love you later. And like, that's it. They just send her off and you're like, uh, okay. Uh, so there are three characters continue on their merry way after Sam makes his deposit <laughs> for lack of a better term or lack of a term I want to use. Uh, but yeah, they get to frog. They're right there in the outskirts of frog town. And this is where, as I mentioned, uh, Spangles like, I guess I'm going to dress up in this weird BDSM outfit and I'm going to pretend to be your slave. And Sentinella is going to fuck off for a really big chunk of the movie where it's like, they, they she asks, like, how's the cover? And Sentinella's like, the best. And so you think it's really hard to tell what the, what the real plan is. They're, they're going to infiltrate the town with Spangle as, as Sam's like, he's looking to sell her or whatever. And 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 they have a lot of fun with with the power dynamic being shifted because she's been 
sort of bullying him around and, you know, electrocuting his dick and stuff. And so he's having a fun time yanking her around by a leash, which is just, I don't know. It's all like, hey, you know, there's nothing wrong with BDSM as long as there's consent. Uh, this is a weird gray area. Um, but the, it's ter- in terms of character dynamics, it is like a little fun to see the shoe on the other foot. And he's really making a meal of, of being like, hey, it sucks to be you. How's it feel to be bossed around and stuff? But yeah, you, you think Sentinella is going to just watch over them. But from the way the movie goes, she just, I guess, is like, well, I just sit here until they signal me. And until they signal me, I have no autonomy. I will just sit here and do nothing. And so uh, thankfully, she shows up at the in the very end of the movie to save the day but like there's a whole chunk where you have to be like why is she not like hey maybe i should go check out what's happening uh i don't know less shoot days for her though so good for her <laughs> so uh they sam does the thing where he takes her glasses off uh, spangles loosens her hair and he's like yeah you look good uh now we're back to fighting again after this weird moment uh, they go to this bar in Frogtown. Uh, the very first actual frog we see, you see this woman like sexily dancing on this bar, and it does that thing where it pans up her body, and you're like, "Ooh, yeah, ooh, titillating!" And then you see her face, and she's a frog. Uh, the frogs basically are just humans, but with big frog masks on. I, I think maybe their hands are weird too, but they're all humanoid. I will say for a low budget cheap exploitation movie the frog stuff looks incredible i don't know if they spent some money on it and that's why it looks good or if they just had a sfx guy that was just like you know what this might be a fucking weird exploitation movie starring rowdy rowdy piper that no one's getting paid on i don't know what the budget was i i don't mean to insinuate no one got paid but i mean it <laughs> My my point being, SFX man went fucking hard in the paint for this movie, and it actually adds a weird layer to the movie where you're like, it, it does elevate this frog stuff because all the frogs do look good, and they they're, they're always like a little bit wet and slimy. Like they really tried with the frog stuff, and they they didn't necessarily have to. And I don't know, it makes all the scenes like I don't know a little more easy to invest in, I guess, because you're just like, well, I mean. The makeup is like good though. <laughs> and like these do look like mutant frog people. Uh, but we come to find out that this, uh, dancing lady frog, her name's Arabella. Uh, she becomes important later, but Sam and Spangle come in. Sam runs into this old guy who turns around and he's like, Hey, I'm, I'm Looney Tunes. They call me crazy because I'm the only sane person, woo, or whatever. But turns out him and Sam have a history. Uh, Looney Tunes kind of took Sam under his wing either during or after the war. And so they're old friends. And, you know, Looney Tunes gives a bunch of exposition about I'm here, I'm selling things. There's uranium everywhere and I'm digging it up and brokering a deal. And, oh, you want to sell her? You should sell her to Leroy. He owns the bar. And so presumably their plan was to use Spangle to infiltrate. So they're after King Toady, uh, not even spelled. Uh, very like how you would think. Toady is uh in the movie. Uh, you, I don't think you ever see it spelled out, but in the credits, it's T O T Y. So maybe he was just a guy named Toady who 
just got turned into a frog and it was cruel irony <laughs> but yeah so i thought it they said that he took all these girls that they're after and he's he keeping them in prison maybe he has a harem or something uh this was exposition in the car that i didn't really cover for some reason sam lets looney tunes talk him into trying to sell spangle to leroy uh even though i don't think that's gonna help them at all but it does give us the scene with leroy who's like one of the cooler characters in the movie he's got really cool makeup and his outfit's awesome and he's got these goggles on and him and sam are going back and forth about selling spangle spangle tries to protest but then ooh, uh oh bowl shows up and he's toady's right hand man and he's like uh, and Bull, Bull is, <laughs> besides maybe Sentinella, probably my favorite character in the movie. He's just, whoever's playing him is just like, I'm in schlock, so that's the level I'm going to go to. So all my line deliveries are going to be absolutely batshit insane. I think this is the scene where Leroy tries to argue with him. And he's like, shut your hole. That's pretty iconic. He's just yelling at everybody, chewing scenery. In, in an exploitation movie in the best way, but he he punches Sam in the stomach and just knocks him out, I guess. Takes Spangle to Toady, uh, and so everything's fucked. Uh, Arabella wakes up Sam and starts hitting on him. You get a really get a lot of business of him trying to rebuff her and then telling her to put like a bag on her head. So, because she wants to sleep with him, because she also has heard that Sam Hell is like the greatest sexual dynamo of all time. So not only is his sperm like super sperm, he's apparently so good at fucking that it's like legendary. Uh, so she wants to break herself off a piece. It seems like he's going to do it, but he's convinced her to put the bag on, but he's also like weirdly nice enough to be like, it's my kink. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, but he gets, he gets bailed out from fucking Arabella because his uh, cod piece starts beeping and so he's like i gotta go like i'm gonna get blown up I, we gotta go and so arabella goes with him but then they clearly just i don't know what they did they didn't want her to get captured with him so she like literally falls in a pile of wires it seems like it would take her two seconds to get out of it but she's like oh no i'm trapped go without me and i i, I it's bad it's just bad like it could it would have been like i mean you could have direct it's, it's not necessarily bad writing but the way they directed it to her being in like a tiny pile of wires being the reason she can't come with them. It doesn't make any sense. It's weird. Uh, but he, he infiltrates toadies where, uh, Spangle is being introduced to toady and they apparently decided to smash all this together because she's being introduced to toady, but also this guy named count Sodom shows up with a bunch of guns to, to give to the frogs. And remember the frogs aren't supposed to have guns, even though it's weird. It's very like the, so there's weird sexual politics in this movie. And I definitely say there's weird racial politics in this movie. Uh, we have told the, the frog people that they have to go live on their own reservations and they're not allowed to arm themselves. Uh, a little fucked up. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, while Sam, Sam sneaks in and sees all this, but then he falls, gets captured. Oh no. Everything's even more fucked. Uh, Spangle gets taken away to be prepared for the ritual of the three snakes what does being prepared mean it means all the other women that have been kidnapped are going to just gently float cloths over her 
while they dress her up in this weird white lingerie and flower crown or whatever they put on her head. And so it, cu- it cuts between her being quote unquote prepared. There's a lot of talk about her needing to hold on to her passion. And there's like slight, subtle, not subtle, but it's like, oh, she thinks about Sam and maybe he's the passion. Maybe they feel things for each other. But Sam's with Bull, who is like, hey, I want that chastity belt because it's technology. I'm going to cut it off with a chainsaw. And so we're basically going back and forth between these two scenes. The chainsaw doesn't have any gas. We get Bull gets a couple funny moments in these scenes where Sam's like, where are you going? He's like, where do you think? To get gas. And it's just like the way he delivers it's really funny. While she's being prepared, her earring gets touched and it starts electrocuting Sam. And he's like, oh, get this thing off, get this thing off. Bull gets probably one of my favorite lines in the movie here where he goes, you know what? You're one weird dude. And just again, just the way he delivers it is like genuinely really funny. But he goes, he goes to work on the chastity belt with the chainsaw. Sparks are flying. Sam's yelling. He's being electrocuted. Spangles getting further and further in her weird transparent cloth ecstasy. The belt comes off. Sam, it doesn't blow up like they thought, like they told Sam it was going to blow up. He's like, no. They lied to me, but then it does actually blow up in Bull's face, knocks him out. Meanwhile, Arabella and Looney Tunes have been infiltrating the base, and Arabella shows up to uncuff Sam, gets him loose. There's like a really quick joke where he thanks her, and she tries to like start moving in on him. He's like, not now, we gotta do stuff. Uh, they try to escape, but then Bull's not down. He stabs Arabella, because they clearly didn't want to deal with that character any- anymore, like if she was still alive at the end of the movie, they would have had to uh, resolve things between her and Sam, and they didn't want to, so she gets stabbed and dies. Uh, Sam is mad. He stabs Bull and kills him. So Bull and Arabella are dead. Sam's, I guess, sad Arabella died. I don't know. Looney Tunes goes and shoots a flare, so Sentinella sees the flare and is like, oh, cool, I can, I should go and do stuff now that I saw a flare. That was the one thing holding me back, I guess. Uh, but while all of this is going on, um, it's time for the Dance of the Three Snakes. And uh, what is the Dance of the Three Snakes? It's the dance you do to get Toadie aroused enough to want to have sex with you. Uh, that's the dance. What are the three snakes? There is three dicks, uh, which at the end of this dance, slowly rise up and start wiggling around. And it's... Uh, thankfully, you don't see the three snakes, but you, you see them moving around in there. It's, uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> there's also like some talk of like most women don't survive the dance of the three snakes. And I don't know if it's implying that they don't arouse him. So he gets rid of them or they do. And the aftermath is why they're not around anymore. I don't know. Uh, troubling either way um but i would be remiss though when she gets brought out he's like dance for me and she's like uh, <laughs> again i'd say i'd say that your one weird dude is probably up there in my favorites but right next to it is she just she just like uh, uh sandal bergman's performance in this movie vacillates wildly between like really weird and wooden but then out of nowhere, she'll be really charismatic. Like she's clearly actually a pretty good actor. It just depends on the it's from scene to scene and 
what they're giving her to do, it kind of varies pretty wildly. It, it feels like she really comes into her own towards the back half of this uh, movie. I, I feel like she kind of lights up more, but she's, she's <laughs> he's like, dance for me. And she's like, the only dance I'm going to be doing is on your grave. And I remember when I was watching it, I, I laughed out loud. That that like really got me. <laughs> Again, this movie's got fun little quippy lines, and he goes, they they cock their guns at her when she says that, and she just goes, um, modern or ballet. And and again, she's like, I don't know. Like I remember noting in that moment, I was like, this is like really good delivery. So she she is like a good actor. It's just I don't know her her performance is really all over the place. But I mean, in her defense, her acting partner in almost every scene is rowdy rowdy piper so i mean you got you got to do what you can with what you got but anyway he gets aroused and she kicks him in all three of his dicks he goes down his guards go to shoot her but then sam hell burst in with a couple of the shotguns from the shipment that they just got and uh the be- as as quippy and funny as this movie is capable of being uh their choice for him to burst in uh, his line in this moment is, eat lead, froggies, and he shoots the frogs. Uh, again, he delivers it in a way that's like, it's still kind of funny, but it, it is also like, you're like, whoa, wow. Of, of all the things they could have gave him to say, eat lead, froggies, was what they went with. Interesting. Uh, <laughs> they go to uh, rescue the girls. Again, you get like a fun moment where Spangle instead of them just going and attacking the guards, she comes up to the guards and she's acting all faint. She's like, the dance of the three snakes. Uh, And she like pretends to faint in their arms. And like when they go to catch her, she springs up and knocks both of them out with like her badass martial arts. And Sam's even like, are you sure you even need me? And she like throws open the door and she's like, maybe not, but they will. And so you see all the women that he's supposed to, have sex with or whatever. <laughs> but, uh, so they start escaping. Thankfully, Sentinella pulls up just in time. I, I think I skipped some business where uh, Toadie catches up with them, but Looney Tunes shows up and fires flares at the frogs to cover them. Sentinella rolls up. She pops up in the, or the machine gun also has like this, like handheld turret. So she's driving, but she's still controlling the turret. And to the guards, she's like, again, another really funny line. She's like, eat dirt or eat lead and they both look at each other and throw their guns down and like throw themselves on the ground and it's like genuinely actually funny uh, this movie's like all over the place uh but so the girls get out uh looney tunes also somehow gets out they they make their escape everything's looking great they're driving into the sunset uh but looney tunes is he got shot in the back of the head or something he's dying he passes he has a funny line while he's being cradled by like Six women. He's like, I hope heaven's this good. He dies. Everyone's sad for 30 seconds, but then, oh no, Toadie's chasing them in this. They have a like really low budget Mad Max chase where, especially Toadie's car, it looks so bad. The driving doesn't look fast, uh, but they are definitely like throwing explode, like real explosions all over the place. So that amps things up, but it's also really awkward where. There's like this explosion and it clearly doesn't hit their car. And I assume behind the scenes they're like, well, we can't actually explode the fucking car. We need to, we probably st- still have to shoot like seven other scenes with this car. So just kind of blow something up near the car, but it's enough to make them pull to the side. Like they did get blown up. 
And so they all like pile out of the car, but then, oh shit, there's Count Sodom pointing an RPG at them, makes them all throw their guns down, pulls his mask off. Oh no, it's Devlin. He goes on a big rant about how women suck and they're taking over the world. It goes on for a really long time. It's kind of funny because he's like going on and on. And the whole time, Sam's trying to reach this samurai sword that's on his back. And there was some stuff set up earlier where part of the reason the women they rescued hadn't escaped was because they're like pacifists. So they refuse to do violence. But the the main girl of the people they rescue, she tips the sword up for Sam. He grabs it, fucking throws it through Devlin's chest. It's pretty cool. Devlin goes down. They go back to their car, and I can't I can't remember how. Just for some reason, Devlin is gone. He's missing now. All everybody except Sam goes to hide. For some reason, I don't know if it's because Toadie's getting close, or, or what's going on. Sam goes after Devlin though to make sure he's dead, and so he comes across Devlin. And he seems like he's dead. Sam like nudges him with his boot and goes, well, that's good enough for me. Goes to walk away. Devlin's alive and he's got the RPG. Goes to shoot Sam. Sam sees him, shoots him, kills Devlin. Takes his RPG. He's like, yeah. He goes back, though, and their car has been blown up and all, all the women are just nowhere to be found. Sam, I guess, just immediately assumes that they're all dead, even though there's not like a single body part within in sight. So no bodies, just a blown up car, but he's like distraught for some reason. Again, uh, movies, logic holes, rear their ugly heads, but he he somehow catches up with Toadie and he's got the RPG now. And he's like, he's like, get out of the car if you want to live. And the underlings make for, he's like, not you, Toadie. And he goes to pull the trigger. Toadie has this really funny, like, no, like cry that he does. It, It made me laugh again, but. The RPG misfires. It doesn't fire. Toady laughs at him. Fucking frog leaps at him. We get a long ass sequence. Again, this is where I really wish I knew whether they live had come out because uh, even though I've never seen the movie, I know they live ends with a extremely long hand to hand combat sequence with like him and Keith David. And I just wanted to, you know, make a joke about because they, him and Toady have a very long fight sequence. And I just was curious. Like, I'm like, did they see they live? And we're like, well, they, everyone liked that, and they live, so we got to do that in our movie, but long story short, the fight is actually pretty good, and there's lots of clever back and forths, and literally like a full-on Three Stooges eye poke at one point, but Sam Sam gets the better of Toadie, fucking kicks him off a cliff, chops his hand off, he falls and dies. Sam's like, I won, but everybody else is dead, but then the girls just kind of come trotting around a corner. And they're like, we're alive. He's like, oh, you're alive. You, you, I thought you were dead. I almost, but then it makes no sense. But hey, him and Spangle are reunited. He kisses her and she's like, no, I'm not one of the women. And he's like, I don't care. Plenty of me to go around and kisses her again. They're driving in the car. Him and, him and uh, Spangle are pretty close. All the women are there. And Spangle's like, I think I can get us like a two week vacation after you do your duties. And he's like, Oh, that sounds pretty nice. Wait, what duties? And then he like, she like nods towards the girls. He looks at him. It's like, you know, like, aha, he has to fuck all of them. And he just sighs and goes, he's (laughs) just, it's so weird. He sighs. He's like, yeah, what they say is true. 
And she's like, what's that? A soldier's work is never done. It's like, wah, wah. And that's literally how the movie ends. It's like, oh, well, Sam Hell's got to nail them all. Yay. And credits. <laughs> like, that's the whole movie. I, I don't know. It's fucking wild. It, it is pretty fun. Uh, again, like, if you're someone that gets really hung up on the sexual politics, and I, I don't mean that to sound dismissive. I mean, like, if that kind of stuff bugs you and can, and can ruin your enjoyment of a movie, I wouldn't necessarily suggest this one. That being said, if you can kind of like be like, ah, it's a shitty exploitation movie that they made in 1988. Some of it's problematic, but there is a lot of charm to the costumes and seeing Roddy Piper in the lead. And like I said, there's weird glimpses of like, like the fact that the Devlin character like hates women and we're like, he sucks. That feels kind of fun. And uh, the fact that, Spangle and Sentinel are fucking cool and badass. And it's funny because Roddy Piper doesn't seem to be fantastic in this movie at fighting. Like he, he, he beats Toadie, but it's like a real struggle. And I don't think Toadie is necessarily a beast either. You're just watching these two like schlubby dudes duke it out. Like Sentinel and Spangle are, are way more badass than, than Sam is and stuff. So I, 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 I want to, I'd say as far as this movie goes, I really, I kind of want to just like be like, yeah, there's some stuff that's not great, but I am glad I watched it because there's some stuff I liked about it. There's something charming about the low budget nature of it and the like, oh, post-apocalyptic movies are big. Let's do something like that. But then with frogs and stuff and it's an enjoyable little ride. I, I could see it being like one of those cult movies where if you were the right age and you saw it at the right time, it could actually be one of those movies you remember pretty fondly, you know, but for me, the whole, obviously the whole point of the show is that I'm watching it for the first time. I don't have any nostalgia attached. So what do I rate the movie? Um, I want to say on Letterboxd, I gave it like a three star out of five, which like roughly translates to a six out of 10. So for the show, I'll knock it down to a five. I think five is fine. Like I actually feel weird putting it that low because I do, I I do find parts of it really interesting, and I don't know if it's a movie I'll be like forgetting anytime soon. Not that there's all these memorable knockout scenes or anything, but it just there's fun little scenes here and there. The performances are interesting. Uh, the costume, the frog costumes are great. The action's fine. The car chase, especially, is where I was like, "Whoa, this is really rinky dink." As someone who put like Mad Max Fury Road on my best movies of the uh, that decade list, uh, it's pretty funny going from that to something like this. Where I, I mean, obviously Mad Max was like thirty years later, but still, it just is rinky dink little car with three toad guys chasing this t- tiny pink car. It, it's pretty funny to to compare and contrast the two. I don't know. It's a, it's an amusing movie. It's only ninety minutes. A five is fine. I mean, part of me wants to just... Uh, it's a five. It's a fucking five. Uh, Sentinel rules. Uh, I wish C.C. Vitreller... I don't know. It's, it says her name's like C.E.C. Like how, do you, how the fuck do you pronounce that? But she's great. Worth the price of admission, honestly. But also, a couple of the frog performances are hilarious. Bull, Bull and Leroy are really amusing, and Toadie's pretty funny. Um, I don't know. If, if you're into this kind of stuff... I think your mileage, I think the reason it's so hard to rate this movie is 
your mileage is going to wildly vary based on what your taste is and what you're interested in. If this kind of stuff is not remotely up your alley, then just fully avoid it. It's fine. But as a, as a curiosity and a relic of its time, it was a pretty fascinating thing to watch. And I don't know, there, there's something about like those, uh, those old conventions of the time, like, especially the, like I was talking about the jail movies and stuff like that. They're, they don't really make movies like this anymore. And it's, it's pretty interesting to, to see. And it's, it's not something you would ever see these days. So it's kind of fun to go back and relive that time. Uh, so I don't know, but yeah, five out of 10, whatever. Um, recommendations. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, fuck it. Um, so like a few days ago, I had two different YouTube people I follow talk about this anime show called Odd Taxi. And they just were like, don't sleep on the show. It fucking rules. All the episodes are out now. And it, it's a banger from start to end. It has one of the most satisfying conclusions ever. Everything wraps up. It's great. It's this weird mystery thing. It's less of an anime and more of like a Tarantino slash Scorsese movie. And I'm here to tell you, uh, they are right. It is amazing. And I could see why it's a tough sell because the visuals are that like every character in the show is an animal. I mean, the, the animation is good, but it does at first blush seem a little childish, but uh, do not let that deter you. First of all, it's a very adult show. Second of all, it's a very well-written show. The characters are all fascinating. The way the mystery weaves around, you just have no idea where things are going to go. I started it with the intention of kind of like watching a couple episodes throughout the week. I watched all 13 episodes in one night. I didn't want to put it down, so I didn't. I just watched the whole fucking thing because I had to know how it ended. I had to know where it was going. And man, there are some twists and stuff. And hmm, that's really spoilery. But suffice it to say that the aesthetic choices that the show makes are not merely for their own amusement. Almost everything in in the show, including the visuals, including even the way the backgrounds are drawn is purposeful and there's meaning packed into it and there's a reason there's not a second of the show that's in the show that doesn't have a reason to be in it and you're talking about a 13 episode series the episodes if you don't include the ending and openings which animes have endings and openings like like 20 minutes a pop this is like about a, essentially like watching a four-hour movie um, but it's a fucking wild ride. It's it's basically like Taxi Driver meets Jackie Brown meets like Fargo, maybe, and then smashed with you know anime tropes. Like, cause there's things like idols and idols. That's a very Japanese thing, and I loved it. I considered instead of doing the Frogtown episode, just trying to talk about Odd Taxi for an hour and having that be this week's episode. Maybe I'll stick that in my back pocket because I would love to talk about it. I couldn't do the format that I do for the show because I can't go through it beat by beat. And honestly, I wouldn't want to uh, with a sh- with 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 a plot like that where it's so plot driven. It's just, instead of, it wouldn't really behoove me to like talk about it beat by beat like I do with other movies because the whole point is to just 
experience it for yourself and ha- hearing me like retell it beat by beat would be kind of pointless. If I was going to do something like that, I would want to just talk about overall where things ended up, but I don't want to spoil anything. So I wouldn't want anybody to listen to it. So they've watched the show for themselves. And I feel like I'm going on and on about it. But part of the reason those YouTubers made those videos is because people seem to be sleeping on the show. And so I'm dealing with and anybody that's hearing my voice right now. Not only are you probably sleeping on the show, you're probably not that big of an anime fan either, but I'm telling you just like, I don't know, like you're going to, you're going to see the main characters of Walrus and you're going to judge the show and you can't not, you see, you see that and you judge the show, but people aren't being facetious when they talk about how good the show is. It is legitimately great. Don't be turned off by the visuals, you know, and and, and someone like me who's watched other shows where about anthropomorphic animals, like even shows about anthropomorphic why can't i say that fucking word shows about anthropomorphic is that even how you say it? fuck you know what i mean <laughs> uh, like a gretzko or b stars that's part of the fun like where else other than animation are you gonna get a, a, animals and although i will say what's interesting about so this is definitely more in the gretzko world where gretzko is a show on netflix it's basically it's just a show about an overworked office lady but they're all the characters in the show are animals. Odd Taxi is like a Gretzko in the sense that the animals aren't necessarily their animal stuff doesn't necessarily reflect their personalities. They could have any wide range of personalities and, and them being animals doesn't sort of affect what they do. Whereas it's something like Beastars, a lot of the conflict hinges from the animal instinct of a wolf and a bunny and blah, blah, blah. This, this isn't like that. That the animal choices are more just about, I don't know how to explain it. It's just like they don't, the, him being a walrus doesn't mean he does like walrus things. He just is, is a humanoid walrus. Like, <laughs> but it's fucking great. Odd taxi. It's on Crunchyroll. You didn't hear this from me, but most anime, if you don't feel like subscribing to a service is shockingly easy to find if you want to find it. Um, and. I guess my hope in saying something like that out loud is that maybe if you don't feel like coughing up six bucks for Crunchyroll, maybe you watch Odd Taxi and you're so enamored with it, you retroactively buy the DVDs for it or you go toss Crunchyroll six bucks per month to make up for it. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know, watch it how you can. But it's fucking good. Odd Taxi rules. Cannot recommend it enough. Uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown. Uh, I don't know. You, you heard me talk about it. You make that choice for yourself. Like I said, that's just fully on YouTube. Uh, you can just watch it on there if you want. Um, I, I recommend at least clicking around and seeing the frogs. Or you can watch like a highlight reel of, of the frogs. Uh, the shut your hole weird dude. This is like a, fun, a lot of fun line. Why am I going back? And I'm, Hey, we're here at the end of the episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. I love you. And as I always unfortunately say, at the end of every episode, I will catch you all on the flip-flop later. Bye, guys.